Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be with you and to be a part of uh, this gathering chapel. You know, oftentimes when I go to speak at a a conference uh, or a church, uh, I'll challenge the people that are there to consider this reality. The reason you came is not the reason you're here. The reason you came is not the reason you're here. You know, God has a way of using uh, our decision process to lead us to a point, a a context, a circumstance, a situation, to get us to a place where we might actually hear what he desires. And while we wouldn't have otherwise gone or come to a place, uh, when we get there, we realize all along that God was orchestrating things because he wanted to get our attention and he wanted to use our time there, whether it be on a weekend or a Sunday service or maybe even to college or seminary, he wanted to use that time to tell us something new, to show us something different. The same can be true for you as students who have come to the college at Southeastern or Southeastern Seminary. In fact, God may be bringing you here to show you uh, a part of his plan that you haven't yet seen. One of our desires is that during your time here that you'll actually be open to the possibility that while you may have come with one thing in mind, God may show you something grander. God may show you something bigger. God may show you something altogether different. That God will, in fact, while you're here, refine your calling, or at least your understanding of it. So during our missions gathering chapel, at the beginning of the semester, maybe even the beginning of your first semester here, our hope is that you'll prayerfully consider your calling, that you'll reflect on, that you'll evaluate, that you'll clarify or discern what has God called me to. Now, in recent years, the term calling has shifted somewhat in its understanding. Historically, when somebody referred to to someone who was called, it was uh, limited to a a vocational uh, ministry or missions capacity. Oh, to say you're called puts you into this specific category. But more recently, in the last couple of decades, kind of in an effort to uh, remove an unhealthy distinction between leadership and laity, we we, we wanted people to say, no, no, you have a part. You have a part in God's mission. You have a part in God's ministry. So we're going to kind of remove that and broaden the concept of calling to include all people. We're all called to ministry, and we're all called to missions. While our motive in that was good and wholesome and in many ways right, we, we may have swung the pendulum a little too far in, in an attempt to kind of, uh, you know, lighten the line. We, we erased the line to where now almost the category doesn't exist to where many believers have never actually considered, are you possibly called to a vocational ministry or missions capacity? Because God still does that. God still set a, sets apart those, not set apart above, but set apart with those who are called to a other type of vocational calling. Here's how I like to understand it. As believers, when we look in Scripture, we see what we might call God's universal calling. God's universal calling. Jesus invites all of us to follow him uh, with a call to salvation. And that call to salvation is also a call to serve and to surrender our lives to his mission. So saying yes to Jesus for salvation says yes to serving Jesus and to surrendering your life to him. 
This is true for every believer. It it, it doesn't uh, distinguish. No matter what our context or circumstances may be, we're all called to worship Jesus, to walk with Jesus, and to witness for Jesus. That's God's universal calling. But within God's universal calling, we also, as individuals, have a unique calling. God has called each one of us to a specific purpose with a, a plan with you in mind. And when you come to Southeastern, you've already determined that you want to leverage your calling, your life for the cause of Christ. Many times, though, you don't know exactly what that will look like or where that will be. So one of the things we want to challenge you to do is to consider uh, that God would, would use your time here, your classes, your interaction with faculty, your participation on mission trips, and even your own spiritual formation to refine your calling to consider possibilities that you haven't otherwise prayerfully considered before, that you might really wrestle with your calling. For some of you, that may be, in fact, leveraging your calling to a vocation as a ministry or mission field. But for others of you, that may be discerning your calling to vocational ministry or the mission field. So by leveraging those things, and as you clarify your calling during this time, This morning, I just want to challenge you to remove any barriers. I'm going to talk through just a few points of admonition that would remove any barriers or restrictions that would limit your obedience to what God may be calling you to. It starts with an openness and a determination within your own heart to do so. It can be summarized really in three uh, brief admonitions and some biblical examples. First truth this morning I want you to kind of consider as you're wrestling with your calling is don't run from your calling. Well, you may think, well, that sounds like Captain Obvious. Like, uh, no, of course we wouldn't do that. I mean, we, we came to Southeastern. But I would challenge you that some of you can run from God's calling even while on this campus. Nobody grows up aspiring to be like Jonah, right? And yet many people ultimately live their lives that way. You see, when God's timing doesn't line up with our plans, when his calling isn't exactly what we had in mind, when it takes us out of our comfort zone, or, or maybe even when our preferences aren't fully considered, we oftentimes will run the other way. When God called Jonah, that's exactly what he did. He called him to go to preach to Nineveh, the, the capital city of the uh, dreaded Assyrians. And when he did, Jonah fled from God's presence and went in the opposite direction. But Jonah's fleeing didn't free him. You see, his willingness to serve the Lord was conditional. It was contingent on God's will agreeing with his. When Jonah ran, he didn't run out of God's providential hand. No, in fact, what it did was it invited and brought storms into his life. Not only his life, but those around him. It brought him to a point of despair and actually left him drowning in a sea of misery. Running from your calling invites God's gracious discipline in your life. It's never pleasant, but it is always redemptive. Jonah, even though uh, when God rescued him, he reluctantly gave in and obeyed. He never fully embraced God's call through willing surrender. Regardless of what God's plan is for our lives and what it requires or involves, we should never run from our calling. Second truth this morning, I want to challenge you during your time at Southeastern that you would, as you wrestle with your calling, don't run from your calling, but also don't resist your calling. Don't resist your calling. There is a difference 
Sometimes because of personal insecurity, maybe even uh, feelings of inadequacy, we, we may be hesitant or uncertain. Resisting doesn't reflect the stubborn unwillingness like Jonah, but it's more like a delayed disobedience that's oftentimes driven by doubts. We see this in Exodus 3 and 4 when the Lord calls Moses to go and to be the deliverer of his people, to rescue his people out of Egypt. Moses was called to put aside the shame and the guilt from his past. He was called to forget his previous failures in in order to lead God's people. But Moses responded when God called him to do that with several questions and even excuses. But every time Moses responded with a question and excuse, it ultimately led him to the point where he just ultimately said, God, please send someone else. Moses was initially resistant to God's call. But God responded to each question and every doubt with the reassurance of his presence, of his plan, and ultimately to his provision. And when Moses eventually came to the point where he fully embraced and surrendered to God's plan for his life, not only did he lead God's people to freedom, He actually overcame every doubt and obstacle that he originally voiced and raised to God. He was able to overcome all of those and even greater ones that he couldn't have imagined or even foreseen. Esther had a similar experience in her initial response to God's call on her life. The evil plot against God's people to extinguish God's people was uncovered and ultimately defeated as she became a willing young lady who eventually embraced the reality that the Lord had indeed set her apart for such a time as this. Listen, like Esther and Moses, it's understandable that we would struggle in some of these same ways. It's understandable that we don't feel worthy to be used by God or even capable of fulfilling his will for our lives. These same realities that kind of uh, emphasize our unworthiness of God's salvation can actually become weapons in the hand of the enemy to make us question whether or not God can use us. Our previous failures can haunt us. The fear of how other people might respond can intimidate us. Our inabilities can cause us to doubt ourselves and even question God's wisdom to call us. But as the familiar sayings remind us, and let us remember these well, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And the ultimate ability that God is looking for in his people is availability. Sometimes God's plan doesn't line up with our timeline. And we're willing, but we we want God to to wait. Or maybe like Moses, we just want God to send someone else. God, please send someone else to do this. But if you resist your call, God won't release you from your call. He desires to use you and is determined to use you. So by faith and with confidence in his faithfulness, we must come to the point a willing surrender and embrace Isaiah, the prophet's response. Lord, here am I, send me. Running from and resisting God's call are struggles that we must avoid and overcome, but there's one final um, caution that I would challenge you with this morning to also remember, not just as you embrace this call, but even after you embrace this call. Don't run from your calling, don't resist your calling, and don't resent your calling. Resentment seeps into our hearts in a number of ways. When we obey God's call, oftentimes it happens out of some sort of spiritual obligation rather than grateful obedience. And that quickly turns to resentment in our hearts. 
You know, sadly, there are many ministry leaders even today who serve with this underlying bitterness or frustration that reflects this mindset. For some of them, they wish they had been called to something else. They actually never get over what they believe they had to sacrifice to go into ministry or the mission field. Maybe they believe they were somehow forced into ministry based on someone else's expectations. Others actually become jealous of God's call on someone else's life and are convinced that they'd be more satisfied if they could only be in the other person's position. Sometimes it doesn't come from jealousy or regret. Listen, the reality is when you serve the Lord in ministry and in mission, disappointment, discouragement, and defeat are all part of it. And in those dark moments, we may, in fact, be tempted to resent our calling. The Apostle Peter struggled with some of these things. Right after Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter went back to his previous occupation. He was disheartened, and he, he didn't know what to do next. But Jesus confronted Peter with the repeated question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter ultimately became despondent, even in those moments. And when he adamantly affirmed his love for him, Jesus then proceeded to call him to come then shepherd my sheep. But then he tells Peter what this is going to ultimately cost him. He tells Peter that answering that call would result in his execution. Imagine the exasperation that Peter would have felt. So what was Peter's response at that point? Well, to immediately compare his calling to John. But Lord, what about him? Jesus admonished Peter by explaining to him what God wants all of us to know, that your calling must be accepted without condition and without comparison. So Jesus ultimately looked at Peter, and he said the same thing to him then that he had said when he had called him to first let go of his nets. Peter, follow me. Follow me. Sometimes we may be, in fact, willing to obey God's calling, but we do so with resentment in, my heart, in our hearts. We're looking over one of our two shoulders. We're looking over the shoulder of complaint at what we left behind to follow Jesus, or we're looking over the shoulder of comparison at someone else and what we'd prefer. But Jesus said it best in Luke 9, 62, when people were coming up with excuses why they couldn't do what Jesus was inviting them to do. He said, the one who has put his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. God's call frees you to enjoy the deep satisfaction that comes from following his will, from fulfilling his will, and it allows you to trust him to be the loving father that always works for your good and for his glory. Knowing this, we can commit without condition. So here's how I'll leave it this morning. As you continue to wrestle with your calling, especially during your season and while you're here, as God continues to refine that calling, don't let these things become barriers or restrictions that limit your obedience. Listen, we all fear, fear failure. We can be overwhelmed at the prospect and the magnitude of what it looks like to serve God. We become painfully aware of our inadequacies, our insecurities, and our inabilities, but our relationship with God from our conversion to our calling is never about our personal ability or adequacy. It's only through Christ's atonement that we're accepted. It's only through his sacrifice that we're made sufficient. And it's only by his grace that we're gifted to do what he's called us to do. And in Jesus, we have everything we need to fulfill our calling. Therefore, you can embrace your calling with confidence, not because of your capability, 
but because of Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, I challenge you, don't run from your calling. Don't resist your calling. And don't resist your calling. In Christ, we have everything we need to fulfill our calling. I want to welcome the worship team to come back and to lead us in a song, a praise song that affirms that very truth. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.